Welcome back to How to Be a Better DM. We have with us Robert here, and uh, we'll, you'll hear a little bit more about him in a second. But first, Robert, to help us all get warmed up, what is your Dungeon Master avatar? And to kind of explain that a little bit, uh, if you had to create a, a D&D character that personifies how you DM, what would that character look like? Well, I would say it's going to have to be probably a bard. Um, because I do like to be a storyteller in my DMing, but it's also probably going to be a trickster for sure, because one of my very favorite things to do as a DM is to incorporate a pretty brutal plot twist at some point. So it's going to be a tricky bard. Hopefully, I would say it's charismatic. I at least like to look in the mirror most of the time and say, hey, yeah, you're doing pretty good, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, not always, not every day. Uh, if nothing else, he at least is decent with voices, and uh, he can weave an interesting story. Now, this is the type of bard that is not great on an instrument, but he definitely carries them around just to make people think that he could be. I like it. I like it. I love That's it. That's awesome. It's, it's also very true to most DMs where it's like the players don't realize how much we don't know what we're doing. But they love it regardless. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, fake it till you make it is like the motto of every GM, I think. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely you want to keep up that curtain and tell people don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> I've said that many times at the table, so I absolutely agree with that. I love it. Uh, one quick follow-up question on that. Um, but what would you say has been one of the most brutal plot twists you've pulled on your players? Yeah, so I've actually talked about this recently uh, with one of the players who was involved in this game um, on my show. And early on in uh, a homebrew game that I ran that we called Threads of the Desert, I had asked one of the other players to be the big, bad, evil guy, but to play through the entire game with the party. And we had this, this one session where the three party members and their like their forever NPC who was traveling with them were in this room where they figured it out and they figured it out right at the same time as he stabbed the NPC in the back and murdered her. And uh, so all of a sudden we went from a four member party to a two member party and they realized that the person that they've been sharing all of their plots with, all of their plans with, everything that they were going to do to bring down the big bad evil guy was now invalid and yet they still had to go face him in his palace the next session. I love it. So uh, they were swearing at me a lot uh, <laughs> at the end of that, but uh, it ended up being probably one of our most memorable game moments ever. That oh, wow. is awesome. That, that's huge. So then, uh, so, so I'm very curious about that. When you asked that player to essentially be the big bad, like did it take some convincing or a lot of like walking him through or was he just like gung-ho you know like me he's a trickster um and he was definitely in it a hundred percent he was like well can i you know can i build the character myself can i do all this and i pretty much gave him like carte blanche permission to okay you're going to be a 20th level character by the time they finally face you at the end you're going to have um two levels in divine rank we were using the 3.5 um, deities and demigods so you could actually build out characters that had divine rank um, and then he he took it and run with it he built it he built himself as an avatar and that's what was playing with the characters was his avatar mm. um, and so then as they go to face off him he's, he's an even more powerful version of the character that had been traveling with them wow well, that that's is awesome that is super cool 
Um, I bet you picked specifically him because he's a trickster, uh, and that probably went very much in line with what we, what you were looking for, right? Yeah, you need a trickster and somebody who's willing to you know stick to the story and keep a secret. And uh, he's always kind of been that guy at the table who doesn't really like to share too much about his character, anyways. <laughs> so it fit really well with him. How many sessions did he have to play that role before it was figured out? Quite a while. Um, we we pretty much play a weekly game every week, and I think it was over a year into the game before the reveal finally happened. That's that's incredible. Love that. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, Tanner, do you want to ask the second warm-up question, and then uh, I will introduce our guest? Yes, Um so aside from that awesome moment you just had right there, uh, do you have any other favorite DM moments uh, just from your time? Yes, uh, for other DM moments, um, I think one of the one of the coolest things that I had done was I wrote this um, adventure path for my characters, um, and it was very much following along the lines of the Pathfinder adventure path. So it was like a similar to a D and D module. Yeah, um, and I wrote this whole thing as a murder mystery, um, and that was like probably one of the most difficult things at, in terms of writing because you have to think about all the clues and making them obvious enough that the players will move on to the next clue, but also not so obvious that they're going to figure it out right from the very beginning. And having that last session of that where they finally figure out who the killer was and had that final confrontation was a really cool moment for me just because it was like, oh yeah, I wrote it properly and it didn't give it away before the final moment and it still led them to where i wanted them to end up in the in the uh when i came up with the idea so seeing like that whole big thing come together and work out the way that i wanted it to was like a really proud personal moment yeah yeah i I would be proud of that too because mysteries are so hard i I have no idea how people write them let alone it is definitely the hardest hardest piece of writing i've had to do as a dm just because there were so many moving parts yeah and and unlike a, a writer of a book where you're like oh i can go through it a few times make sure it's good as a dm you're like okay i've got this idea players are gonna screw it up i'm i'm operating with from that baseline and then yeah wow good on you snap yeah that's really interesting uh being a a dm is kind of this balancing act because on one hand it's writing but on the other hand it's experiential well it's like experience curation it's it's, i guess it's it's similar to like event planning in that you know you, you plan certain things but some things may go off without a hitch other things might go one way or the other so that that's really yeah, interesting, that's a good actually. way to look at it as an event planner never thought of that yeah. like that love that well my friend is like he was talking to me and he's like you know what? i think i might be interested in event planning and i was like yeah, maybe that's kind of how being a dm is because we're like hotel staff for these players that come to our mm-hmm. hotel and and then we are like hear the activities and you know, maybe they don't like it or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I guess it's true. Like you're thinking about all the different elements that go into what a player wants in a game. And then you're trying to figure out how to make all of those elements happen in the same game at the same time and bringing all of those components together. So I think it's a perfect analogy. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I'll have to write it down so I can seem smart some other time when I bring it back up. Uh, but <laughs> thank you, Adventurer, for, for coming back and listening to How to Be a Better DM. Like I said, we're here with Robert W., who is one of the hosts, if I've if, if I understood, from the Dungeons, Dragons, and Psychology podcast. 
and uh, we are lucky to have him here with us talking today about NPCs and making lifelike NPCs and how that is all done. Uh, and I think you brought up one particular topic kind of in, in your first experience that you shared with us, that of having a uh, forever NPC with your group. And I think that's probably a really good place to start because if you have a forever NPC with your group, they, they naturally have to be somewhat lifelike in order to feel like another member of the party because they wouldn't be there if you didn't want them to have some sort of emotional connection to all the players. So what are some things you do to really make it so forever NPCs aren't just someone that the party makes fun of, like happens sometimes in <laughs> certain people's groups? I'm not, I'm not saying mine, but some, some groups out there. Well, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think those are important too, like the NPCs that can play comic relief uh, for yeah. tense moments in game. But I, I do think one of the most important things about having uh, good NPCs is making them dynamic. Um, your your players come to the table with backstories and ideas of what their life was before, and I think that's a really important piece of an NPC. Like if they're just very two-dimensional and maybe you have a voice for them and a place for them to exist, that doesn't really give your players a lot of depth into what that character is and it doesn't really make them that interesting to engage in if they have quirks and personality traits and they have a backstory and they can tell you stories about their past and things that they've experienced if they feel like a real person and the way that you would engage with a real person that's going to be what makes them very interesting and also if they have something that they something that is important to the party that they provide so be it a service like it's somebody that they come to for magical exchanges or even if it is just a little bit of brevity and they've had a hard time and like, oh, let's go kick it with, you know, our good friend, the bugbear down at the tavern who always, you know, buys us around and makes us laugh around the table. I think those kind of things are also really important, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. And especially uh, what you were kind of saying about they need to have something to offer uh, it. I haven't thought about it before, but even with interactions with other people, to some extent there is that thing where you're you're interacting mm -hmm. with them with the idea that, oh, they fit this specific role in my life. Right. Um, and if somebody just doesn't have a role that they fill, then most oftentimes we don't talk with those people at all, right? Uh, so it's like it, it makes it very different if you're talking to an NPC who's just the guy on the side of the road versus someone you're actually like, oh, every time we talk with him, there's a chance I could get something good. And so it right. just adds a lot more energy to the conversation. When I'm, when I'm writing an NPC, I always try and think of several things like, um, what is something like a speech pattern that they have? Or, I mean, not just in the way that they sound, like I might give them an accent, but what are things that they frequently say? Like I have one uh, NPC who I've run in several games and he always says, well, you didn't hear it from me, but... And, you know, that's always like, okay, we know he's going to be our, our source for rumors, right? Because he's always, he's always got that little catchphrase that, oh, you didn't hear it from me, but here's what I've been hearing on the streets, you know? And, uh, but I think things like that, things that give them a little bit of depth and uniqueness. Um, and if, you know, each of your NPCs kind of has something that's specifically them, they'll always stand out as though they're an individual rather than just, Oh, it's the same bartender we've always ever had every time we come into a tavern, right? Yeah. Faceless bartender number two in every tavern, right? 
Exactly. <laughs> well, well, that's, that's great. Uh, so it, here's my question, though. Justin and I were talking about this earlier in preparation. And uh, the original concept for this kind of discussion was like, okay, how do you make your NPCs feel lifelike? Uh, it, it, my question was, do, we, do you feel like every NPC needs to feel lifelike in a campaign? Or even just like most of them? I don't think that every NPC needs to feel lifelike, but I do think every important NPC needs to feel lifelike. So if they are just, you know, serving the characters a drink, it's, I think it's perfectly fine just to be, just to say, oh yeah, the bartender drops off your drinks and sets it on your table and asks for his coin, whatever. You don't even need to interact with them. Let the character be background just like they are in the movies, right? Yeah. But think of it in terms of the movies. If they're giving plot, if they're giving purpose, if they're adding to a character's backstory, if they're, if they have written lines in the script of the movie, then yeah, they need to feel like they have that moment to speak. They need that, that uniqueness so that they are actually a character. Yeah, that's great. That's really insightful. If I can add, um, the way you phrased it, kind of, it made me kind of put myself in the place of the players. As if, you know, I go to a restaurant and the waiter, sometimes they come up and they're like, what do you have today? And then we order and, and then that's it. Other times they're super interactive uh, and it's mm -hmm. probably based on the place they're at or other times the people I'm with are very interactive with the waiter and things like that. So I think one thing to add to that kind of conversation is that maybe if you're struggling, uh, talking to the listener here, if you're struggling with figuring out how to make your... NPCs feel lifelike or, or which ones need to kind of think about your own life and the interactions you have with your own plot as it were you know you interact with the people at work a whole lot more uh, versus people mm -hmm. at restaurants or people driving down the side of the road right and I think another kind of little trick that I use before I worry about if I'm going to give them a voice or a quirk or personality traits or all this is do the players even need to remember this person's name and if the answer is no, then I probably don't need to put that much information or that much work into making that that character dynamic. So I want to put my energy more towards the ones that are important and do have a piece of the story that's part of their backstory. Yeah, exactly. Like I find that with one-shot uh, sessions, I learn the most about making NPCs because they're essentially all throwaways, but you're like, okay at least two of these people need to be memorable, right? Uh, right. Most often, right? Um, and so like uh, the last session that I uh, ran on Saturday, uh, you know, I was uh, having the same issue where I was like, okay, do I do a weird voice or something, <laughs> uh, you know? Uh, and and for the most part, I found that I didn't need to and the story went well. Right. Uh, I think that there's, because there's so many excellent podcast streams out there where you know these are professionals who put a lot of uh a lot of work and every npc feels amazing i th yeah i think that sometimes for us the more layman you know uh dms or gms we we feel like we need the same it's like no you know just put as much effort as you're able to and make a certain number of npcs memorable the other ones it's okay if it's filler yeah like in a in a one-shot game like you're talking about um, you're right, there's only really a few NPCs that really need to have that, but those are going to be like your quest givers, right? Or your people who are, are giving you hints to the plot um, or, or a plot hook or something like that. But um, yeah, on your other point, 
um, like the professional voice actors like Matt Mercer and Critical Role. And one of the things that just constantly amazes me when I listen to that show is how Matt can have an entire race of creatures, like, like when they're in their dwarven city, every one of his dwarves sounds a little bit different than ever. And so you can pick up like, that's, that's incredible to not just, okay, here's the accent I use for dwarves. He's got like 20 accents that he uses for dwarves. So they still all sound similar, but still unique. And that's a very, very difficult ask for a person who's not a professional voice actor. But at the same time, you can do that same kind of thing without using voices, just by giving them patterns of speech or catchphrases that they use that are different from anyone else. So as you're making your notes for your NPCs, instead of saying, okay, this can have my my typical dwarven voice that I use, but they can take a lot of long pauses in between answers or they can sit there and always tap their face or rub their beard. You know, they can have something quirky about them that you don't necessarily have to know 20 different dwarven voices. You can just have one or two different inflections and different things that make them look like different characters, you know, is just little stuff like that, I think, can can go a long way. Yeah. And for, uh, one thing that might help the, the listeners, uh, if you're struggling thinking about some of these things to add to your characters, I would say the best thing is to start looking at your interactions with people. Like, it's kind of a joke between me and my wife that whenever we go over to my family's house, uh, my mom and my sisters always say it'll be good for some reason. That's just like their thing. Like when they're done talking, they're like, yeah, we're going to go here. We're going to go do this. It'll be good. And uh, we, we kind of make fun of them for right. that until I started noticing in my interactions with my dad, I have a catchphrase apparently where he says something very dad jokish. And then I say, Oh dad. And uh, he actually loves it now. Cause he thinks it's really <laughs> funny. But if I were an NPC, that would essentially be my catchphrase. So uh, I, I found it useful to start looking at, interactions with people and start seeing some of these commonalities. But I mean, you do have to kind of step back from the conversation while being present, which is somewhat difficult, but that might be of use. Mm -hmm. Hello, this is Tanner. And I wanted to introduce you to the character I'm playing for a live play D and D campaign on the Pact and Boone podcast. His name is Wolfgang Kainstotter. He's a dampier, meaning his father was a vampire and his mother was a human. He was raised in a noble family of vampires that specializes in providing mercenaries for both nobles and criminals, which is where he learned his skills to become a ranger, at least when he wasn't being bullied by his half-siblings. All that changed, of course, when he got sent to the Nine Hells of Calignos, where our story begins. If you'd like to follow along with our adventures, please check out our new live play podcast, Pact and Boon, when it comes out this Friday, the 5th of April, 2024, go to studios.com forward slash Pact N Boon to get more info. We are so excited to share our adventures with you. But yeah, I mean, you definitely bring up a good point because in all your interactions with people, you find that everybody has patterns of speech and everybody has little things that they they say to, especially in, in terms of like if they're feeling nervous or they don't know what to say, they kind of fall back into those habitual patterns of, of speaking. Yeah, For exactly. Sure. And I think that that's, uh, that's the nice thing is that if you have no um, experience with it, don't worry about accents. Don't worry about anything like that. Mm -hmm. Just worry about like, hey, treat yourself and your many different facets 
as different people, you know, because we're all right. much more real. And these NPCs don't need to be as real as one of us. So we can kind of like almost take little parts of ourselves and kind of turn them into the different uh, linguistic or other aspects uh, of them. But uh, so I had a question. Uh, I find that, you know, when we're talking about making realistic or memorable NPCs, uh, I find that they get very, uh, like, in terms of motivations, they can feel very uh, one-tone. Like, villains can feel like, oh, they're just they're just destroying towns because why the heck not? And good people are like, oh, I apparently just spend every minute of my day thinking about how to help people. You know, and, right. and it's like, how do you... How do you make them not as uh, one-toned? So one thing that I've that I've done, and I mentioned this in my book as well, is I like to think of my heroes as though they believe that my my villains as though they believe they are the hero of their own story, and I think that goes a long way in fleshing out a good villain, uh, because I think the best villains usually, in some way or another, are right about what they're doing. They're just probably doing it in the wrong way. Yeah. I think, you know, like Thanos um, from the Marvel world is a great example of that. Like, he's not wrong about, you know, the number of resources being limited in the universe and people consuming them and the way that humans, you know, kind of like ants destroy the world that we're living on. He's not, he's not wrong about that. He's just going about it in the wrong way. And so I think that that's a good way to flesh out a villain is to have them make a point that is right make their their drive something that they could see themselves being heroic in doing but make it kind of obvious that if you're lacking some of the classic hero traits of like empathy and understanding and concern for other people you're obviously going to go about it the wrong way yeah so like two or three steps from being a hero uh, that's like a, a pretty good villain um how do you kind of i guess <sighs> the best way to say this is how do you make heroes that aren't the, the players that like Tanner was saying, don't seem too goody too shooey, but don't also seem corrupt. Like how do you walk that balance? I think it's just remembering that, you know, there's light and dark in everything and nobody is like this perfect shining example of goodness. Um, I think it's really one of the things I like to refer back to a lot is, I don't know if you remember the old uh, Book of Vile Darkness from, from Dungeons & Dragons 3.5. There's this really great image in there of a paladin standing over two female succubuses who are in an embrace of, of love, and he's standing over them with his sword, and the caption underneath it reads something like, uh, a paladin must choose between honoring love and destroying evil. And I think those kind of things where you understand that all morality is is a spectrum and that even if you are a paladin, it doesn't mean that you can't struggle with darkness. Even if you're evil, it doesn't mean you can't struggle with light. Kylo Ren is a great example of that. He knows he's a villain and he's trying to extinguish being good from himself because he thinks that villainy is the only way that's going to bring you know, the entire universe together in peace. So I, I think just like thinking of things like that where they're like cleverly done and you can see both the good and the evil inside a person and find ways to showcase that uh, as NPCs. Don't just make them be all like, oh, yeah, yeah, I follow my goddess and I'm like the perfect virtue of harmony and everything that she says I do. 
just give them a little bit of humanity make them struggle with oh, my goddess is asking this of me or the priests are asking this of me but i just don't know if it's really what i should be doing as a good person i think that kind of thing adds a lot of depth to an npc is is seeing that they struggle with their own morality if, if it's okay i'd like to kind of dovetail the conversation um thus far we've kind of been talking mostly about preparing npcs what strategies or techniques do you use when you have to essentially create an NPC on the fly because the group decided to go a completely different way and now they're super interested in the, the guard at the, the town wall for no reason and you have to essentially create everything you just said up on the spot. What's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, so that, that's always the Achilles heel of, of every DM, right, is you have all these plans and they only last until your characters have ideas. Um, yeah. So uh, I think for me, just practice, like, practice improvisation. And I think one of the best things to practice is coming up with a name on the spot because that's what players always ask, like, oh, God, cool, cool, what's your name? And then you're always stuck in that, like, uh, hold on, let me look at my name generator or something like this. So a trick I have always used, and I'm I'm sitting next to one of the people who play in one of my games right now, so now I'm going to give away one of my greatest DM tricks right now, is I, like, scan the room really quick and piece <laughs> names of things together to come up with a name. Like, oh, okay, oh, there's a hammer over there and a dice. Okay, well, he's like, that's a cube. So he's cube hammer. He's Lord cube hammer. You know, <laughs> just some, something ridiculous <laughs> like that. But, I mean, it, even, like, I know I've made a character who is named, like, uh, Ritz before because there was a Ritz cracker box in the corner of the room and so just like things like that pull from whatever you have available and then take notes like that's the biggest part of it if you are going to create an NPC up on the spot you got to make some notes as soon as you do it because if you happen to create that smash NPC that they all love they're going to keep coming back to him and you're like well why this guy was just <laughs> something I made up on the spot and they just want to keep hanging out with him. So you want to remember all of those things that they really thought were cool about him in the first place so that you're able to bring him back and have him still be as in as influential to the party as they were the first time that you played them. Yeah. One, uh, one thing that I actually do another secret is, uh, I have often taken the names of my players first or last and just put them backwards so Caden no. Otley, who <laughs> nice. used to, he used to do uh, stuff on this podcast. We have a, uh, a character who is Caden's last name in, in the thing. And I find that's really easy because they don't, they don't put together, but it's super easy because you just pick someone and say, what's your name backwards? The unfortunate thing is we have a character, a player whose name is Hannah, you know, it's the same front <laughs> backwards. So that, that doesn't work. Um, so, so actually on the, <laughs> on the topic of, keeping track, uh, uh, you know, via notes. That was actually a question we were planning on asking um, because to, for me, that is super difficult. So, so what methods, if any, do you have for kind of keeping track of these NPCs? Do you just kind of jot things down and then come back or how do you go about that? You, you know, I'm actually, I actually love that you asked me this question <laughs> because uh, I actually built uh, a DM tool um that is available on Amazon for just a couple bucks, but it's just a book of NPC notes. Um, it's called the NPC compendium and you just fill it in. It's got like stat blocks and notes about um, character background, the quirks that they use, phrases that they use, tattoos. Like it just gives you, it's a, each one's a single page and there's a hundred to the book. 
And, and so that's what I like to use, and I give it to any of the DMs who run, run games for me um, just as, like, a tool for them to have because it is really useful. And there's a table of contents in the front that you can put the names of all the characters and what pages they're listed on so that then you can go back and flip through and find those NPCs really easy. And I think just even if you don't use that tool, something like that is really helpful, like just having a notebook dedicated to your NPCs is going to be really useful, but also get in the habit of making the same notes about each NPC. So like you're always going to list how do they sound, how do they look, how do they act around the players. And I think it's always like listing, are they a friend or foe of the party? And do they have any secret motivations that the party don't know, doesn't know about? And I think those kind of things are really important to keep track of. Yeah, that, that's great. Uh, it's great advice, especially the idea of just kind of keeping it a similar format, you know, so you can almost have mm-hmm. a Rolodex kind of dealio for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because I think some people just don't realize it's like, hey, uh, just because you use NPCs in different ways, it doesn't mean that, you know, it wouldn't be helpful to know the same thing about them, especially accents. My goodness. You know. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big one, too, because you might pull off an accent when you first introduce an NPC. If you don't write that down, when you come back to it, you can be like, oh, what voice was I using for this person? And just not be able to give the same experience if you don't have it notated somewhere. Yeah. And in cases like that, honestly, what I'd recommend, I have a friend who's very good with accents. Uh, and he says that for him, he kind of needs a uh, a phrase to work his way into it. I do the same thing. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. So like, yeah, when you're writing down the accent, don't just say, oh, it's this kind of accent. Be like, phrase. <laughs> this is how you work your yeah. way into it. Yeah. For the longest time, whenever I had a dwarf, I would have to start their conversation by saying great because that, that was the only way that could get me into like oh that's great yeah, you know yeah. like it had to it had to have <laughs> that word in there somewhere like oh it's a great day out here you know and then I, then I can roll into it after that but I had to start every interaction with the dwarf early on with that word because it was my keyword to get into the accent I think that works really well exactly that's awesome uh, one actual one other uh, I guess hack that you could probably use with that Rolodex uh, in conjunction with your compendium is, uh, you know, in, in different situations, you could probably take some of these NPCs, obviously from campaign to campaign or session to session or whatever, um, and take the same NPC, change the, the, the name and maybe the accent, keep the, the characteristics and, and I guess obviously any, you know, identifying features, but essentially play them the same way so that way you don't have to necessarily come up with a completely new uh, character. Uh, maybe all the bartenders are exactly the same, except they all, you know, one, one serves vodka versus one serves <laughs> ale primarily. And, and, you know, um, j- just so that way DMs who don't have as much time, they don't, they don't feel as pressured to create, you know, a full world. They, they still have these resources and, you know, I, I guess the idea is you don't have to create completely new NPCs every time you can just maybe, maybe take right. one, change one or two things and then move forward, you know? You may be asking yourself, how do I get more out of how to be a better DM? You probably want even more tips, more entertainment, or perhaps just exclusive access to a secret society of people bent on ruling the world. Well, we don't actually have desires to rule the world, but it does sound like what you want and what you need is to join our Patreon. You'll get access to our private Discord, which will give you direct access to all the hosts of this show as well as our other dungeon masters who are just like you. 
You'll also be able to make fan requests for how to be a better DM. And lastly, you just help support the show so we can give you ever better content. If you want to join the Patreon, go to sessionzerostudios.com slash startadventure and join our Patreon today. And in a pinch, you know, you can always rely on a generator to pull that up. Sure. I mean, there's ones that have just like NPC description generators are very useful in just coming up like with quick backstories or quirks that somebody has. And I've definitely used those in a pinch, um, if, especially when characters are running off on their own and just like, hey, we want to interact with another NPC. And you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you're like, sure, whatever. Yep. Um, well, Robert, we are coming down to the end of our time together, unfortunately. Um, we will definitely have to do this again. So we'll, we'll, we'll reconnect and uh, figure out another time because I'm actually really interested specifically in creating a murder mystery. Um, but uh, we'll have to schedule that another time. Awesome. Um, final words for our audience from Tanner, myself, and you, Robert, and then we'll give you a chance to talk to them about how they can reach out to you, support you, see what you're up to. Um, Tanner, do you want to go first? That way Robert can have some time to think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, With NPCs, I think the biggest thing is just making sure uh, quality kind of trumps quantity. Uh, It's better to have one uh, character that you've really worked on that's like really funny Versus a few that's like semi-funny. And same for like one character that you really connect with. Versus a few that's like, oh, they're just generally people I guess you could sympathize with. It, you know, just put in the time. Um, and then do filler for the rest. Pe- people expect filler. What they don't expect is for you to just knock them off your f- off their feet. Mm-hmm. Which is a really good character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I'll go next, Robert, just so you have just as much time as you want to, to think and, and really prepare. Uh, one thing I would say is kind of thinking about this all today, uh, there's nothing wrong with just picking people you know in real life and fashioning NPCs after those people. And, and now that I think about it, I think that's something that I really want to try moving forward for the next little bit, just to really focus in on what are their actual real life quirks? How do those come across? Uh, you know, even in small interactions, how can I you know, put my dad into, you know, into D&D with some of his small little quirks and just kind of personify him. And I think that will hopefully make me better at creating NPCs and picking up on those, those nuances, but also making a little bit more interesting and lifelike. So that's, that's one thing I'm going to try. And I would recommend that the listener also try. So Robert, final words for our adventurers. I would just say um, one idea that I've played with a few times in the past and has been really fun that I would suggest maybe giving a shot is uh, when you're having like your session zero or your characters are building their backstories, let each one of your players write an NPC as well and then give that to you to just put into the game somewhere later on. It can be really fun and it makes that NPC very meaningful to the players when they're real like, oh, that's that's crazy Farmer Joe. That's the one that I wrote, you know, yeah. and, and then they get to see that and interact with it and it just kind of brings their attention right to the table. So I just think that's kind of a fun and unique way that you guys might want to try. It's It's been pretty interesting when I've done it in the past. I love, I love that. that. Uh, anything to help our DMs save time and save money. And I think outsourcing the work to the players is like top of the <laughs> list on that. But uh, thank you so much for being here with us, Robert. How can our audience reach out to you, support you, and see what you're doing? Yeah, um, thanks for asking. Um, you can definitely check out my book, uh, Session Zero, the DMG to Writing Great Campaigns in Any System. You can find that on Amazon. 
Um, also check out my podcast. It's the Dungeons, Dragons, and Psychology podcast, and you can find that wherever you find any podcast. It's on all the platforms. And you, uh, the best place to get in touch with me personally is uh, via email, um, DungeonsDragonsPsychology at gmail.com or on Instagram, and it's at Dungeons underscore Dragons underscore Psychology. Excellent. We will get all those up in the show notes as well as the link to your NPC uh, compendium. We don't want to forget that. Uh, But uh, thank you so much, Robert. Thanks, Tanner, for being here. Uh, Listener, adventurer, we'll be here next week for another great show. Until then, let's go ahead and roll initiative.